Uh, welcome to the first live interview we have here. I'm uh, Jason Durr. I'm one half of Ball Caps and Bagpipes. My partner John could be here tonight. Um, I'm also the owner of Dugout Classic, so I'm the European part of this here. But I am lucky to have the two founders who came up with the idea and launched it here. I've got Tad Richardson of Curveball Keysake, and I have Travis Stewart of Johnny Studios. Guys, welcome. Um, glad to have you uh, on board here. Thanks, Bubba. Thanks, Jason. Cool. So uh, let's start us off. So how did this idea come around? I mean, I'm, I'm honored that you guys asked me to do it. Um, but, you know, let's start from the beginning. Right. Well, you you were actually one of the first people that I <laughs> I uh, reached out to. Right. So um, the, uh, the the campaign is is based off of a, a model. And, and what we're obviously talking about is our virtual art show and, and benefit sale for the Negro Leagues um, Museum, baseball museum. And uh, the idea is based off of a campaign that, that I uh, created for the benefit of locally owned restaurants and Meals on Wheels in Spokane, Washington. So real, real similar structure to this campaign. And um, I got thinking about my little struggling business, Curveball Keepsakes, and, and frankly, thinking about liquidating that business. Um, but... Uh, but I, once that thought process started going, I, I thought about applying that, that Waffles for Wheels campaign model to this, to this problem of, of me wanting to generate some, some revenue as a small business owner and recognizing the opportunity to create a large community of people who have uh, very you know, similar objectives as small business owners um, and to lock arms with a, a really valuable and uh, contextually relevant uh, uh, nonprofit, and for all of us in this baseball and baseball arts community, um, we I think most of us are deep baseball nerds, and we appreciate the history that that the Negro Leagues uh, baseball um, has, and and the story, the the very unique story that that it it has to tell in American history. So. Um, it was really a perfect combination of, of needs right now, which is um, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is in the midst of uh, their 100-year anniversary celebration of the Negro Leagues. And, and, um, and we are a, a community of small business people and artists who um, are struggling right now. So here we are um, now, um, over 75 artists um, committed so far. Um, and we're hoping to get to a hundred. Well, the feedback's been positive out here. Uh, I'm hoping that here that from your guys' side, you guys are getting a lot of uh, contact from people saying this is a great idea. Uh, have you heard much from anybody uh, that's outside the artist so far? Um, well, let me first also back up one one tick uh, and and say that uh, kind of going back to the formation of the campaign and how it how it kind of came to be was that. First step was asking a whole bunch of people in the art community that I've come to know, uh, yourself included, if, if this sounded like something that you'd be interested in participating in. And once we had about maybe 10 to a dozen people, probably less than that, frankly, because I like to uh, get excited about things. Um, that's when I, I brought the idea to Travis. And um, Travis uh, and, and Johnny Studio uh, had actually been talking to me about working with me on the the waffles for wheels campaign um, but the 
the pandemic really took that thing sideways. And um, Travis is a pretty deep baseball nerd too, as it turns out. And uh, and so this felt like a layup, I think, to to, to Travis. Maybe that's the wrong term about uh, for a baseball. We're mixing team. our sports metaphors there, right? This was a uh, this was an easy fly out to left, I guess would be the best way to say. It. Yeah, look, when, when Tad and I started talking about it, I've been in the agency and creative space for a long time, and this was one of those rare situations that was just at its core, a great idea that served a lot of different groups of people all equally well. Everybody won in this kind of an idea, in this kind of a situation. And so we, Tad's right, we've been talking to him about Waffles Reels already. And so when he started looking at this specific idea for the museum, we, I and the company were particularly excited. We're like, this is just a great time and a great event to be a part of, right? You know, a lot of the work that we do in the creative and agency space fits like a lot of really complex, you know, business objectives and everything. But this was just a great idea that served the right people, the right communities. It worked for, you know, the baseball environment. It worked for the small business and artist environment. And most importantly, it worked as a primary driver, we think of to put a conversation about racial justice and injustice there. You can't do better than that. And so to your original question, Jason, of like, what is some of the conversations started to look like outside of the artist community? That's really just beginning. And I think that was always by design and always as expected is once the actual campaign page was live, that this was going to start growing organically and reaching a lot of different people, organizations, communities, businesses. And that's what we want it to do. That's really how communication should be sparked in this modern digital age is through a lot of like natural organic growth moving from one area to the next. So I think a lot of that script is kind of now to be written over the next three to four weeks. And that's the most exciting part about it. Yep. Yeah, I, I would add that that uh, what Travis is kind of touching on here is that the, the campaign really is designed to work virally, for lack of a better term. Um, uh, but it's it's about advocate marketing. Um, it's about people understanding, teaching people, uh, I, I guess, how to use their their platforms, which you know, for all of us now, social media is a platform to to vote you know, with, with how you engage on social media. So, um, you know, support the people, the, the organizations and the businesses um, that you, that you believe in. Um, and so this is, is an opportunity for us to, to really grow something organically. And it's, it's, it's most fun for me, I think, when the questions start coming to us, you know, this first, the last two months has been all about you know, sending emails and, and picking up the phone and talking to people and, and trying to get people to believe in a vision. Um, and now that we actually have something tangible launched, thanks to Travis and his team with uh, nlbmart.com, uh, now, now people are, are coming, coming back to us um, that we've reached out to and, and also just um, gravitating toward us with great questions. So mm -hmm. more to come. Jason, there's going to be, there could be some very interesting developments, we'll say that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it. Uh, so I'm curious, how did that conversation go when you called up the Negro League Baseball Museum and said, hey, look, I got this idea. Uh, what do you have to say on there? I mean, I know most of us are small artists or makers. I mean, I, I run a, a history blog in Scotland about baseball, so, you know, my, my audience is pretty small at times here, but, you know, um, <laughs> I, you know, that's just not something I would have wrapped my head around to say, you know what, I'm going to make this phone call and see what happens with this. Yeah. Uh, well, the the first 
the first uh, volley, I guess, uh, over to the museum was really just, uh, I believe it was an Instagram uh, direct message that I sent to Bob Kendrick, the museum president. And <laughs> what, what I've come to, to learn over the last several months is that Bob is probably one of the most uh, uh, contacted people on the face of this planet. <laughs> that, that man, uh, I think, is receiving more inquiries um, from people who uh, are interested in, in doing something with the museum. Um, and I applaud him for his effort to, to uh, get back to people. Um, and I know that it's not easy for him to get back to every inquiry. Um, he happened to get back to us, said, sounds like a cool idea. Um, and then we put, we just started building our, our slideware, as we call it, started building the, the proposal to, and, um, and sent that to him. Um, he said it looked like a great idea, um, even gave us a little quote uh, to use uh, in, in trying to uh, recruit more folks on board. But the, the original, it took us probably a few exchanges through email and instant message before we actually, Travis and I had a call with them. And to date, we've really, we've still just, I think, had one phone call with Bob. Mm -hmm. um, but he couldn't have been more accommodating. And um, he couldn't have been more uh, welcoming to the idea and appreciative of all of the work uh, from the art community. Um, and uh, I think I would leave it at that. Travis, what, what were your takeaways from that first call? You know, there's a there's rare kind of people in the world who can see and process vision at vision stage, right? That's how I would phrase it. Tad is obviously one of these people because this the vision started with him, which isn't even rare for him. But I think Bob is one of those types that was able to hear vision and, and go with it and feel okay saying like, yep, I have that in my head. I see the mission. Go, go for it. And I yeah. think there was a lot of... Um, trust there for him to say like yep the museum is okay like you know essentially assigning our brand and the brand value and equity over to this concept and idea without that i mean we would have found some way to come to you know campaign fruition but it would not have been the same and so in that way we're both really grateful um i think to bob but also very much in awe of him in the sense that someone was able to kind of capture that that vision really early and, and feel comfortable being a part of that and alongside of it so yeah so yeah. speaking of the museum, now what is their current status? They were closed for quite a bit. They're now open, am I correct? Do you guys know? I think they are for limited um, access, but the, that you know brings up the 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 point that this is a you know we we have a handshake agreement with Bob. We have a gentleman's <laughs> agreement. Um, we're not we're not spokespeople for the museum. Um, we're spokespeople for the community. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's really fun to uh, create some opportunities for people with the museum, which is part of the point. Yeah. No, I, I think it's exciting. It's one of those things I, I have not been able to, to go and see myself, but it's, it's on the list. Like uh, my, my wife is all about, you got to do that great American road trip. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so my wife's Swedish. So yeah, so uh, last time uh, uh, we went on the big road trip, we went from Seattle to Spokane and all she did was complain about the, the six hour drive and, and how would she be in Norway or Denmark? So. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think the Great American hours. Road Trip is going to work for her. <laughs> six hours to go from Seattle to Spokane. You're you're driving too slow, man. Okay, so <laughs> six hours. <Somehow. laughs> I mean, we're talking Deer Lake. That show. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. That's right. That's right. Right. So. So yeah, so so uh, yeah, I don't know if she's gonna survive this Great American Road Trip. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, you know, it, that brings up a really interesting point. I I I would say too that that you know again over the last couple of months, I've talked to probably at least at least a couple hundred people, and and I've heard from more than one person um, how little they knew not just about the Negro League Museum, but about the Negro Leagues at all. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and this is from both people who know baseball and people who don't. Um, in fact, one of, I would say probably thus far the biggest baseball fan that I've come across um, told me that, that uh, even on his first several trips to Kansas City, he didn't realize that the museum was there. Oh, wow. Um, and so now that he's, he, he figured it out and has been there, he said, you know, he makes a point to take every friend of his there and recommend it to everyone, which um, is, tends to be, I think, the, the more common uh, experience that people have had with the museum is, yeah, I didn't really realize that it even existed. Um, and, and that's, you know, again, why, why we're doing this. We want people to understand that it's there. It's an absolute gem. Um, I think that there's probably a lot of us who first came to 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 know about the Negro Leagues um, through the Ken Burns series, and 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 know about Buck O'Neill in particular through the Ken Burns series. And so, you know, he uh, at that time became the the you know the 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 actual embodiment of the Negro Leagues and and the the face and the spokesperson for them and, and the museum. And so for a lot of us, I think, I don't know, I, I felt that that's when I, I guess, learned about the, the, the efforts of the, the, the museum itself. And so I, 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 I made the mistake of, of assuming that everybody understood that too. <laughs> and so it's, it's really great now seeing how little people know about the museum. It, it makes me feel all the better about doing this. No, that's, that's great. It's, uh, I think I've got some feedback from people already watching live video there. Uh, no, no big deal there. Just seeing if anyone was commenting. Um, well, so like I said, the, it's all exciting, but you know, you've got a product to sell. Let's, let's hear about curveball keepsakes. You know, I've, I've got my bracelet on. Oh, we're good on you, man. <laughs> um, I, Actually, here I can. Yeah, this is actually a, a even better idea. I just happen to have this thing sitting right here. I mean, I even still have the box. It lets me know. <laughs> I kept the box still, and I know it was a Kyle Seeger base hit. So uh, let's hear about it. What? So that I think I think that one. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that a Kyle Seeger base hit during Felix's last game with the Mariners? It was. That's the one. Yeah. So. So um, the, the idea for Curveball Keepsakes happened probably around 1991. Um, I was in college and like, you know, like every single kid uh, who like, likes baseball at some point early in their life, they take a baseball apart and, <laughs> and find out that there's a bunch of yarn in there. Uh, it seems so illogical. Um, 
side note, a buddy of mine actually said that uh, he took a baseball apart as a kid and found a bunch of wadded up cigarette butts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you were going to find, but you know, I found yarn um, and I happened to learn how to braid when I was in third grade for a craft project at school. So I braided myself mm -hmm. just a simple three strand necklace out of some baseball yarn and I literally tied it around my neck and wore it 24 seven for probably two years when I was in college. Um, and uh, that's when the idea came into my head that it'd be cool to, to do that with baseballs that have been used in games. And then I don't, know, I don't know how many years later, 20 or 30, um, 2014, I started tinkering around with the idea a little bit more. And my thought was to make necklaces. Um, and I found this braiding style that made these nice tight ropes. Um, and I found this simple magnetic clasp. And I, and I bought a game used baseball. It was another Felix Hernandez pitch to Prince Fielder. Uh, and it was from a 2012 game and uh, took it apart, made myself a necklace and thought, man, people are going to love these. And uh, I'm also a craft show junkie. So um, I, I wanted to just see if the idea would float. So I did, uh, and God, it was uh, Christmas of 2017, did a show um, that happened to be a benefit for a local high school baseball team, uh, a Christmas bazaar. And I brought a bunch of necklaces. I made a few bracelets and then just some other stuff um, out of the leather, very little. Um, and it, I made like, I, I don't I won't want to say made, but uh, the, I grossed like 1300 bucks right out of the gate in one show. And I thought, holy, sh holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow! This We're onto something. This is not a child-friendly show. Swear away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I, uh, I, I, so then, the, then it just developed from there. So um, now, but the the bracelets are the thing that really took off at the markets. I've been selling them around Seattle at the local markets and vendor fairs um, over the last couple of years. Um, rebranded into um, Curveball Keepsakes with the help, actually, the branding was all done by Daniel Harine. Um, um, he's on Instagram, Daniel Jacob, the maker, who does incredible work and is helping out with our campaign too. Um, but with his help, frankly, you know, his vision on the, the brand it is really what made it get to the point that it got at the end of last year, which is all rebranded and repackaged. And then, you know, COVID. So um, I've also had just a lot of different thinking in my head about how I want to take this business forward or not. Um, but it's, it's definitely been fun to make it happen. Um, what I geek out on is buying all these baseballs that have been authenticated by major leagues and doing the research on them. Um, they come with a number. Um, if you've bought authenticated merch from MLB game use stuff, you know how that works, but um, there's a little bit of information about each ball that I get that's in their database, but I have fun going into baseball reference and pulling up the box score and seeing what other kind of things might have happened in that game that were significant. And, um, and then telling the story uh, about the game and, and passing that on with each piece that we make. So um, we do stuff with the, 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 the rope products were the first idea and the impetus for the, the business. Um, the leather stuff that came on, uh, out of it was really just byproduct. Like, what do we do with all this leather now? <laughs> anyway.
That's curveball keepsakes, I think. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, I see. Was you've got like earrings? Was it cufflinks? You've got obviously the bracelets. You've got your stickers yep. there. You can show right in the background there. You've got your uh, your six feet six inches. Your seven fifty five. Um, is there anything else I'm missing? Um, no, the the like I said, the leather stuff really. I'm not a jeweler by any stretch. Um, and, and so the, what I found was a local um, here in Washington state, they're up on the peninsula, I think in Port Angeles or Port Townsend, uh, a local um, uh, producer of some really great um, silver and gold plated settings. Um, so really all I needed to learn how to do was to operate a, a leather hand punch and a mallet to knock <laughs> little swatches of leather um, out of the cover and then glue them into these settings. Um, cement them sounds better than glue. Um, <laughs> cement them into these settings, <clears throat> but really, really great stuff. Um, uh, the, the settings look fantastic and they're, they're all silver and gold plated. I also have a supplier of stainless steel products like money clips, golf tools. Um, I'm probably missing something else that he does. I am definitely missing keychains, uh, bottle cap keychains. Um, he's based in South Dakota. So I try to keep everything sourced locally, but frankly, that's one of the hardest things about retail is controlling your, your sources. Right. And Travis, you set up the website and helped you a lot there. Uh, one more, can you tell me about uh, Johnny's studio? Give yourself a pitch here while you get a chance. Yeah, so I mean, my background is in sports. Um, I was in sports before I was in agencies. So when I was back in Texas, um, kind of grew up on Killer Bees baseball. I just, I guess I just dated myself in my own weird way. But um, I grew up in sports as a sports junkie. So, you know, I've found that everyone in life is a Wikipedia junkie in one way. Mine was always like, oh, I heard about an athlete. Then I would go, Wikipedia didn't exist at the time. It was like either encyclopedias or base, my dad's baseball cards or my cards or whatever. And you link this topic to this topic to this topic to this topic. And then you slowly grow until you learned what you think is everything is to know. And then you find the next little chapter of a story and then you run off that way. And so when I got out of college, I went into football and I was in football for almost a decade with, you know, TV and radio programming and magazine and stuff like that. And that was just kind of like my life. And I'd been in sports for so long um, that I just needed like a cleanser. I just kind of needed to restart a little bit, stepped away and kind of went into agency life. And I've been there ever since. And so, um, a couple years ago, I decided there's got to be a, a better way to do agency life than the way I'm currently doing agency life. So with a couple partners, you know, we all kind of broke away from our agency jobs and started our own. And one of the key things that we wanted to put in play for ourselves as a company, as Johnny, was we wanted to make sure that we always had enough time in our day, both as owning partners, but then also for, you know, the team that we hired. And we're up to almost 30 full-time employees now the team that we hired, that they would have time to pursue their passions, whether that was their own personal development or things that they felt like were important to them. So when, you know, Tad came to me and we were talking about this idea, it was the perfect way to embody that value prop for ourselves. And so, you know, I sat down with our partner team and some of my reports and said, like, I need to take some time a little bit on the side each day to work on this because this is important, right? This is important for me as a person and that's okay. But this is important because it makes a difference, right? And this has the ability to actually drive real impact for real people and real organizations and real memories and stories. And I, we need to do that. I need to do that. And it's been a wonderful opportunity for me to engage in sports again for a little bit, which is always a passion and that's wonderful. 
but just to be able to drive that like heartbeat impact every day, or at least be a part of it, right? To kind of working with Tad as, as his mind and vision thing has been fantastic. And, you know, when we think about Johnny Studio as a company, yeah, we're a, a traditional content and creative agency working with a lot of B2B and B2C brands across, you know, the entire world, working on a lot of different biz objectives. The company itself is actually named for my mom's mom, who passed many years ago, but she had a very specific set of passions and abilities and as both an artist right she was a drawer herself very many 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 years ago but also just as a person of incredible will and so we always felt like she was a great avatar um, for the agency as a whole and when tad and i were first talking about this idea a lot of times when we have like you know projects that we can work on whether it's a full-blown new client or whether it's something smaller or whether it's a passion project or something in between a lot of times we'll hold that up against the candle of, is this something that Johnny the woman would support? Is right. this something that she would think makes the world better, right? Or makes people better? And this is something that Johnny absolutely would have supported. And so, you know, once Tad and I talked about it the first time, I was like, yep, that's, that's an, that, that clears that bar easily. And I feel like Johnny the woman, right? Kind of is a little bit of a guide in this sense, right? She a lot of times tells us what's right, I think in a lot of ways. And this felt right. And, you know, when you think about not just the campaign and the program, but also the artwork that a lot of these artists are doing um, and that Tad himself is doing with Curveball Keepsakes, you know, starting off in, in football for so many years, right, in such a visible position as I was, I was inundated with swag, just like 24-7, 365. Right. There's always seven boxes of swag at my house from teams or players or other brands or, or you know, apparel brands, whatever it is, I always had a ton of stuff. And part of the reason I needed to like take a break from that industry is because I just had like so much stuff. And I only saved a couple things that felt like really unique and powerful from my time there, right? And since that point, still being a sports junkie as I am, I only collect memorabilia or items or whatever that feels like it carries something that I want to have like in perpetuity. So when I saw Tad stuff for Curveball, I was like, that is something I would want to have in perpetuity. And so that's kind of how our, you know, our friendship and relationship started. And we've kind of gone, you know, from there in a lot of ways. So, you know, yeah, what I do is I run an agency and I'm a designer and a copywriter and all the things that that entails. But I think what my heart is, is I'm a passionate guy about sports, about making an impact, about making a difference. And if I was going to talk anything about me or that, or, you know, my life or my company today, it would be that. Cause I think that's the thing that's most important really. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and uh, I, I found when it was off, it was more of uh, what am I going to do? The hell out of that! I've, I've worked in tech, and I was off for so long that everything's passed me by. Uh, and it was like, okay, uh, what do I enjoy? It's like baseball. I said, like, what, what can I do to yeah. be star on? So, so that's that's really awesome to hear that you would be able to combine everything as a passion and still follow that. And uh, I mean, that's always really hard. Yeah. It's hard. And, you know, in, in America right now, right, there's a lot of hard conversations going on. And what I'm trying to think about a lot of days is when I wake up, how am I additively being a part of that conversation, right? How, how, how am I, my partners and our company using the whatever advantages or resources we have, right, to help better those conversations and drive those conversations. And and, you know, with this idea, with Tad's idea, 
I think he had phrased it beautifully in some of our press material that we had put out there. Essentially, we look back to the history of the Negro Leagues because there's a lot of great lessons there that mean a lot right now that people need to know about, they need to learn about. And that is something that makes me feel like we're being additive to that conversation every day. Sorry, we're having appearances from both my daughters here. This is great. This is ideal. This is work from home life, like in a nutshell. This is where we all are, yeah? You going to wave, Daisy? No. Daisy? No. Yeah, you haven't earned my respect yet, she said. It's bedtime over here because it is like 7.30 at night, so obviously Minions isn't keeping them very interested. She has the sleepies. She looks like she's got the sleepies right now. Yeah, this is a bedtime. So, um, okay, well, we'll wrap this up here because it's bedtime here. But before we go, um, let you guys pitch the website and then we're going to open up a pack of cards. <laughs> there they are. I, I have, I have uh, this special baseball. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love you. <laughs> My mom <laughs> Go ahead up there, come on, girl. All right, well, there we go. <laughs> this is work at home life, isn't it? All right, all right. Yes. So, I, oh, you've got a My Little Pony. I don't have one of those handy. Yes, I, I, I learned all about My Little Ponies and everything else um, that the girls like. And uh, actually, uh, Dahlia was super excited because she got Anika Orox's uh, book on the women's uh, baseball league, and you liked that book, didn't you? Oh, that's cool. So we're, we're hoping we're going to be, interview uh, Anika and we might let her stay up late to say hello there. Cause... Oh my gosh, I think Anika would love to read them a story. That's oh. a lot. Yeah, about the, the Women's Baseball League? Okay, I think we're tired too. <laughs> so I've got five packs of baseball cards here. I've got 89 Donneris. I've got 90 score, 91 upper deck, 92 pinnacle, and 93 studio. So which one do you guys want to pick to open? And we'll open it up and we'll talk cards. And what what memories you guys get from this? Because you guys have the old school ones. I got the old, a couple of new ones for the guys who are only recently into baseball. But uh, I know you guys collected cards in the 90s. You don't have something there. <laughs> yep. Do, do we each get to pick one or just or just one? Both. Yeah, we, we can do both here. I, I can do it. So I, I know which one I want already, but I'll let Travis go first. <laughs> Uh, I mean, a lot of my best memories for cards were Upper Deck. So that's the second you said that, that resonated for me. Tad, did I just steal your thunder? I hope not. No, nope. no, nope, nope. nope. I, I know this is the one Tad wants. Nope. <laughs> oh, really? I know, I I know what's in there. Uh, uh, don't need it. Door, <laughs> Pinnacle, Leaf. Or... I, I got it. Now, I'm hoping that the studio is is the one where it's just really like I remember one of my favorite studio edition cards, if it was the maroon border. Oh, I have that one. I have that one. Harold Reynolds. That's the original one. That's a 91 score. All right. I just do do that one for me, man. I remember the Harold Reynolds one. And I think I remember some really great like Jerry Curl mullets. Yep. In that set. So it's a favorite. So I think we all a, had that haircut at some point. There's a great one with Steve Lake, and he's got a parrot on his shoulder. Oh, fantastic. So, uh, so oh. we'll see if we can pull that one there. <laughs> Don't make faces. Come on. I all think right, so we'll start this off here. And we've got, with the Cardinals, we got Rex Hudler. <laughs> and we've got, this is Ron Gant. 
the upper deck card there. Nice. Only Gant had to have been juicing, right? <laughs> I'd like to look at these 90s cards and go, juicer. Dave <laughs> Parker for the Brewers. The Cobra. Hey. Yeah, I don't remember that. Rare appearance <laughs> with the Brewers. Uh, I don't remember him at the Brewers, but okay. Yeah. Kirk McCaskill for the Angels. Kirk McCaskill. Mm-hmm. Mark Leonard. <laughs> all right. Yeah. What's going on over there? All, all rise, huh? You got the all rise thing. Got Judge Daughter. John Russell for the Rangers. I don't remember him. Catcher. Oh, here you go. You guys recognize the third string catchers. Fernando oh. Valenzuela. Oh, nice. That's a fantastic card right there. That's a there. great card, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was right towards the end. We got the Rangers 3D hologram there. Hey, sex friends. Yeah. Right. Got Mickey Pendleton. Oh, nice. One of the weirdest batting stances of all time, right? Yeah, the, <laughs> there you go. He's standing straight up. Yep. Um, it's like Derek Bell. Didn't he, eat, he eat Fruit Loops for breakfast every day or before a game. What was right. that one of his things there? Something like that. I definitely remember him uh, eating something weird. I trust you on that one. <laughs> okay. Donnie Hill for the Angels. I don't really remember him. There you go. Chuck Finley. Yeah, the Mariners. All right, you leaving, Daisy? All right, don't pull anything up. See you later. All right, come on. Let's go. That's <laughs> how, how I used to, like, we'll open up old baseball card Bye-bye. Bye. 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 This is... Who were who were the guys that the Mariners let get away who turned into superstars or you know stars at some point? Flat out dominated the Mariners like Chuck Finley. Yeah. <laughs> now didn't he date a model that was like uh was he was he Tony Catane? Yes, yeah. She was like the white snake, white uh, snake girl lady? on yeah. car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would date anybody after White Snake, but whatever. All right, we got a Hall of Famer here. Tom Glavin. There you yeah. go. Not too bad. I oh. loved him growing up. Back to back. Sweet Lou Whitaker. Oh, nice. Lou Whitaker. It's to get funny because I open these with guys from over here and they're like, never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Steve Cersei. Cersei. Yeah, I remember him. I remember That's he, a great card. He had a, his rookie card. He was, he was part of that, like, it was like, is that 91, 90? Anyway, I just remember getting a lot of his rookie cards and hoping, God, I hope this guy makes it. Him and Mike Harkey. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, remember the Harkey was almost drafted by the Mariners instead of Griffey. There was, <laughs> that there would was have conversations. Been that just, yeah, they wanted uh, Harkey because uh, he was a college pitcher who would make an immediate impact. They had to be talked out of picking Mike Harkey and they took Griffey instead. It kind of worked for us for once. <laughs> I was about to say, I feel like that panned out. Okay. Yeah, here's another guy who probably collected a ton of his cards. I hope he went really well, but uh, Juan Gonzalez. Juan Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 Juan is, is like all kinds of things because clearly he juiced. He had a fantastic mullet early in his career. (laughs) And, and he, you know, and nobody, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe nobody looked better in one of those tight 80s. Um, uniforms than Juan Gonzalez. 
You also had great nicknames, which was like when you were a kid or a younger guy following baseball, like the quality and number of your nicknames as a player was always like such a status symbol. And he definitely was near league tops for that. I, I just got my card or some of my cards sent over from like, which I haven't touched since 91. And I remember looking oh, wow. through that and I had like four sheets of Juan Gonzalez. <laughs> I was like, all right, that didn't work out too well. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I, one time I separated out all my real good cards and, you know, and, and I, I priced it all out. And this was, this was probably in the early two thousands, right before the, 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 the steroid scandal. And this one little box of cards, the book value on it was like 10 grand. And, and a significant part of that was in McGuire's and Gonzalez's. <laughs> All right, well, so the last one for the upper deck, we've got the Rocket, Roger Clemens. Ooh. Oh, man. There's a lot of emotions mixed into that. Into that, <laughs> that was showcase. a pretty good pack. A couple of Hall of Famers, a couple of really good guys there. Oh, you nailed it. But yeah, that was fun. All right, so let me see. What do I do with that score pack? Let's see. Oh, there it is. All right, so this – Jerry Curl. I never opened it body in these because I don't know if I thought they were ugly or it was just right at the end when I was – Girls are more interesting or not, but uh, yeah, this is the first year of the studio. Is there is we might even get some shirtless ones? Look at that, Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart, yeah. No, he doesn't look so intimidating there, does he? No, <laughs> here we go. We got Kirk McCaskill, yes, is back again there. All right, BJ Sirhoff, yep. Oh my gosh, these photos are great. I I bought these for that. I mean, you're, uh, Greg Swindell. I, mean. I want I want to see one of a guy with his like his foot on the bumper of his '91 Honda. Let's see if I can find nice, your cool. senior photo. <laughs> Scott Sanderson. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Hair. yeah. Gosh, his hair is perfect. It's like a shell. It's a helmet of hair. Yes. Mo Vaughn. Oh, look at him! <laughs> he looks huge, even in a baseball card up that close. Yeah, he's a big dude. All right. This is Happen pretty cool. Kurt Stillwell, look at that. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> exactly. This is why I like these cards. <laughs> it really is. Like, they went into his studio, and it's just like, okay, well, it's <laughs> in, kind of like that. <laughs> is is the first logo photo. on the back of these all shot at JCPenney? <laughs> <laughs> all right we've got a mariner here uh oh dave valley oh, dave oh. so i don't know if everybody knows this one but jason you probably remember swannies the old bar swannies yeah, yeah. i think it's not around anymore from the kingdom no it's gone now the irish so here's the funny thing about swannies is well back in the well first of all back in the day swannies used to set the drink of their well prices at whatever dave valley's batting practice was <laughs> so there were some times when you could go to swannies and get a you know a, a gin and tonic for a buck 80. i don't think val was too happy about that but swannies was actually owned by a cat who pitched for the portland mavericks if you watch um the, the battered bastards of baseball on Netflix. Yep. Um, yeah, Swanee. He he was the owner. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense now. You, you know what's really funny is um, I went to Oregon State and uh, one of the girls I, I knew through a friend. Um, her dad played for the Mavericks, 
and it was no no one mentioned it then and they're like no one cared uh, right. um, and i was just like oh, i like she's not gonna remember me from like 15 years ago that there's some random guy at a party <laughs> that, that, that there but uh, just, oh man that would have been cool to actually meet your dad and get some of those cool stories out now yeah cool right we got two cards left only so, two yeah they, they didn't come much in the studio so so we got billy hatcher billy hatcher i'm like who is that yeah so he was actually my roommate at oregon state's um cousin oh no kidding <laughs> get out of there so uh, I, I'll go and say that there. Yeah, they, uh, his, uh, he played football at Oregon State. And his brother played for the Bills for like a season like that there. So yeah, so it was a, they were a pretty good family. But uh, I saw the final card here, and you're not going to believe it. It's the it's Harold Reynolds. It's the Steve Lake oh. card. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what are the odds? Fantastic. <laughs> How did you... That that's like a magic trick. What you just yeah, did. Yeah, I couldn't believe yeah. myself here. I'm sitting like we pulled the card off. So <laughs> you, you like called the Queen of Hearts and pulled it. That's crazy. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. so yeah, so we pulled that. And then actually, I, I pulled this card out there when I opened a pack with another guy. But I had this John Wetland card with him and his guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Awesome. Those were beautiful. Thank you. That was yeah. a treat. Cool. All right, guys. We'll call it a night here. Thanks for coming on. Um, I can't wait to see how this campaign takes off. I'm super excited about it. Uh, we'll be on uh, pretty much every night, as long as everyone uh, signs up there. We'll interview there, and we'll check in with you guys later, see how progress is going. And yeah. uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Oh, well, thanks for having us. Um, remember, um, visit nlbmart.com. And uh, take a look at all of the amazing artists. There's seven, I think we got 78 and counting now who are actually on the website. And I'm going to go load some more up right now. Awesome. Right, Thanks for having us, buddy. We appreciate you. Yeah, no problem at all. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care, guys. Cheers, Thanks, Jason.